Okay, we've been talking a lot about boundaries over the weeks. We transitioned from understanding boundaries, what they are, the laws of boundaries that are found in the scriptures, to starting to apply them. And boundaries in your families, boundary in your spouses, and now we're going to move to boundaries in your friends. Can't forget that one. And then now we're going to move into boundaries in your children. Um, I would say the same thing here that I said last week about boundary in your spouses. This is not, like last week was not marriage counseling. This is not necessarily parenting in the sense of how you should treat your children. This is talking about boundary development. It's talking about how to tell if I'm raising my children so that they're going to be independent, they're going to be autonomous and able to function for themselves, or whether I'm actually, by the way, I'm treating them or disciplining them, causing them to be dependent on me and later in life for them to be dependent on somebody else. So we're going to talk a lot about boundaries in the sense of I have to have good boundaries or I should try to work on my boundaries if for no other reason it's so that my children will pick up the importance of boundaries. Because if there's one thing that's more important than anything else, that is helping our next generation, our children, develop and grow to love the Lord, first and foremost, but secondly, to be independent and to be examples of Christ in the community. When you look at it in that sense, not so much in the sense of disciplining or parenting, it takes on a little bit different scope, but the two are going to cross over. You'll see that right away. Okay, you're going to see that we're going to talk about discipline versus punishment and get into uh, the family relationships. First section is the importance of family. Of all the areas in which boundaries are crucially important, none is more relevant than that of raising children. It's very clear throughout scriptures, even back into Deuteronomy, there's a lot of verses where it says, teach your children, post the scriptures, post the laws on your doorpost, hang them from your clothing, have them all day long at the meals and walking on the roads. There was emphasis on the importance of teaching your children the laws of scripture. And along with the laws of scriptures are the laws of boundaries, appropriate relationships. The family is the social unit God invented to fill up the world with representatives of his loving character. Now, when we take that perspective of our children, my biggest responsibility as a parent and that God gave me children and I'm a steward of, them, of those children, I am not their owner. I know we like to think that, you know, that's my boy, that's my girl or whatever, but they're not mine. I'm a steward of them to help them to grow and develop to be all that they can be and understand that their, their ultimate authority is God. God was very clear about that social unit, that it was going to be to reflect his character, first of all, in Adam and Eve, and then their offerings from there, from there on. The church also is ref often referenced as the family of God. We're going to look at a few verses here. Galatians 6, 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those that belong to the family of believers. Again, he's emphasizing that when you know him as a personal savior, you have a special connection with anybody else that does as well. So you have a responsibility to do, to, to do good to all people, but especially those in your family. And not just talking biological, we're talking our members. Ephesians 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens of God, with God's people and members of God's, there it is again, household. Again, all, of, all through scripture, I'm just giving you three where the emphasis is on 
you're not your own anymore. You never were. But we have a tendency to think, I am my own and I'll do whatever I want to please. We are not. And when we say we know Christ, we are especially not our own anymore. We have a responsibility, and we're going to talk about that word later on, to each other. To our children, to each other, and then to God. 1 Timothy 3.15 If I am delayed, you will know how, how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Now think about that description. That's a description of you and I. We are supposed to be a pillar and foundation of truth, the church. Now what role am I playing in that? Do I, am I a pillar? Am I part of the pillar work of this church? Am I part of the foundation of truth that is here? And if I'm not, I really need to look at what I am. What do I believe? Where is my heart? If I'm not realizing that I'm a part of something bigger than myself... I'm self-deluded. That's the word that's used in oftentimes. I'm really delusional to myself. I think that I'm the only one around. I'm still immature, and I'd really look at whether your heart is regenerated if you don't realize you're connected to a greater being, and that is God himself and his family. The biblical, this biblical portrayal of God's, how God sh- helps show us how parenting is such a vital part of bringing God's own character into the world in our own children. You know, it's almost like this continuum. You know, Joy and I got married. We have three children. Our purpose and role in life with those children is to develop them so that they move on in life and they do the same. And they're replicating God's likeness as well as the human likeness. You know, we all have our family resemblances. Of course, Crystal and Caitlin will tell you that their professor asked them if they had the same father, so I don't know what happened there, but... There are our children. Believe me, we were there. <laughs> they come home and they say, Mom, Dad, why would he ask us that? <laughs> you don't, well, you look like me and you look like her, so I guess that's why. Crystal's tall and Caitlin's short. Boundaries and responsibility. God, the good parent, wants to help us, his children, grow up. God, the good parent, he has displayed his love in a manner that he wants us to display and that relationship that we have with him was founded very strongly through Christ so that his children then grow up to be mature until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ God the Father wants us his children to grow up to be mature until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Part of this maturing process is helping us know how to take responsibility for our lives. And you said, well, that, that doesn't quite seem like makes sense. No, part of this maturity process is helping us know how that we are to take responsibility for our lives as part of this whole process as well as responsibility to everyone else that's in this process. Responsibility is going to be a key word throughout this entire book and especially in this part. Responsibility is something that we don't really think about, I don't think, with our children, but we should. Second only to learning how to bond and form attachments, the most important thing parents can give their children is a sense of responsibility. 
you know, we didn't get into this as much this week, but last week we were talking about one of the most important things that we have as parents with children when they're infants is, is, to, is to bond with them and to teach them that that bond can never be severed and develop an attachment with that individual so that they understand what real love is that we gave no matter what was going on so that later in life they also will be able to form attachments and, bond, and, uh, and bonds with their loved ones. So second only to that is the, the most important thing we have is to teach them that they need a sense of responsibility. Responsibility in the sense of what they are responsible for and what they are not responsible for. You know, you can focus on, and we realized this early on because children are black and white. They're very concrete. And if you tell them that they should never talk against somebody they, you know, and you keep on driving that home, they won't. And I have to laugh because as we work with uh, we call them our godchildren. I don't. They're not officially, but they're still our godchildren because we love them. When they would come up, she's teaching them appropriate language. You don't disrespect your mother or father. You don't talk like that. That's disrespectful. And she's been telling them that. Well, somehow along the line, they started using a word, stupid. And she told them they were not allowed to use that word. That is not a nice word. Do not use that. So, of course, Joy starts to get into her grandmother scene where she's loving on these children. Oh, oh, that is so stupid. And they all went, (gasps) and their mouths opened up, and they were just looking at her with big eyes, and they said, she said the S word. So Joy had to take a time out, because that's what happens to them. (laughs) It was hilarious, but that's how concrete they are. They think, (gasps) why did that person do it then? You know, their mouths fly open, their eyes get big, and they're looking at you like, what are you going to (laughs) do? We get in trouble. Why aren't they? And they will ask you, why didn't they get in trouble? So Aunt Joy had to take a time out. We had fun with that one for quite a while. (laughs) You all know Aunt Joy. It's hard for her to be quiet. (laughs) All right. So we need to teach them what they're responsible for and what they're not. We need to teach them that sometimes things are going to happen that's beyond our control. And it's not our job to tell them they can't say that S word. You know, stupid. I can't make them not. But in our home, this is the way we're going to do it. Developing boundaries in children is that proverbial ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. You know, you've heard this in many different ways. But with children, the earlier you are able to get their commitment, the earlier you are able to build structure in their daily life in what is right and wrong, it's going to be a little easier for those those parents who take the time when they're little to do that. Because when they get older, it gets a little tougher. They've already developed a little bit more of the uh, I and me and I think I know. So it, the earlier that we, we sit down with them, and it's never too late. The longer you wait, it gets tougher. But it's never too late to sit down with your kids and say, you know, this is why we do this. And oftentimes it would be over a dinner meal after we were done eating, you know, they're asking, why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And then we'll talk about either a Bible verse or we would sit and talk with them and say, because that's, that's not honoring the Lord. And a lot of that happened through joy because I was always away working. I was always on, and she would come home and she said, this is something that's going on, so you better walk and talk the right things here with them when I'm trying to teach them. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. You know, but that was good of her to make sure I always knew what the boundary development was for that day. What, what was going on? The older the child is when forming boundaries, the more resistance you're going to meet. And a lot of that has to do with, 
if we go back to the beginning of the book and we talked about the stages of development after that first bonding phase when our focus was providing protection to them for safety then we start teaching them that they have to learn to share and work with other children then they learn some autonomy then they learn a little bit of industry that you need to do something with your day and structure your day so we're developing them to be individuals if you have to wait until later you've already started that process so for them to try to fit that into the process is going to take longer because they've already developed some structure in there teaching children the merits and limits of responsibility teaches them autonomy what do we mean by autonomy autonomy is for children is that you've provided them with some teaching some training you've given them some consequences of the behaviors when they're not following the training and then all of a sudden you notice you don't have to do it anymore they've got it they know that little girls act this way and little boys you're different they learn that you don't sass mom and as you go through those phases you kind of get to these plateaus where it's good and it's okay but then all of a sudden there will start turning and then it's next for the next stage of development whatever that might be and then there's that resistance all right I have to teach you something else but sometimes teaching them the merits and limits of responsibility it's going to teach them autonomy we have to teach them that there's merits and limits in life and it will teach them autonomy the positive facets of discipline we're going to move in and talk a little bit about discipline and then we'll talk a little bit about punishment the positive facets of discipline are proactivity prevention and instruction with a focus on educating and training them early on the positive side of discipline is that as with anything in life when you're going to change pace or when you're going to change direction there needs to be a time of educating there needs to be a time of training as you start to apply those principles maybe you're going to realize at this point in time with your kids that there's something going on that shouldn't be going on you sit down with them you say look I realize I've made a mistake in letting you guys get away with this and do this it's time that you realize I'm not helping you I'm actually hurting you and I don't want to hurt you and talk to them about the change and then start a process of training looking for the behaviors that you're asking them to work on and when they do it give them positive feedback and when they don't you let them know there's consequences to this the negative facets now there's three things there that they emphasize on the positive proactivity is what I just said provide training and education up front and instruction and then the prevention is because you're going to head off where you see them going the negative facets of discipline are correction chastisement and consequences which involves letting the child experience the, the consequences of their action uh, I don't know a parent yet who went through didn't go through frustration especially I think with boys more than girls and that is you have to study do your homework you really get the, I, don't, I don't want to and then they go get their book and they just flip through it okay I'm done well then they go and they mess the test up and they fail and they're like I can't believe I didn't pass this well the consequences of your behavior are you didn't apply yourself I can't take it for you sometimes the consequences letting them go through the consequences is all they need and sometimes they'll go through it two or three times before they actually get the lesson but as parents the most important thing for us is maintain that contact good child rearing involves both preventative training and practice and correctional consequences good child rearing involves both 
you have to educate them. You need to spend time talking about it. And I'm not talking about nagging them to death. I'm talking about providing the instruction, providing it consistently in a way that if they don't follow it, then you can actually point to them. That's the consequences of not listening to what you were told to do. You know, we have been around a little longer than you have, so... Hebrews 5.14 tells us, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Ultimately, we want our children to understand good from evil. We want them to understand mature behavior from immature behavior. It's funny because sometimes the kids will come back from school after the first week in college and they'll say, there were so many immature freshmen there, it was unreal. <laughs> they're, they're sophomores, they're juniors, but the freshmen are immature. <laughs> and I'm laughing, I'm thinking, yeah, but you had to go through that too. You had to learn that you can't you know, have fun all the time, you've got to study. But it's an interesting to watch the mindset of the child and the teenager and the young adult all change as they grow. And they start to look back and like, you know, mom and dad weren't too bad after all. Discipline is, is an external boundary designed to develop internal boundaries in our children. Discipline is an external boundary that you and I have set with our children that's meant to develop internal boundaries for them. Allowing them to experience the negative consequences of household rules, you're going to lose your phone for a week. No Xbox for a week, two weeks, because you've got defiant. Allowing them to realize you're not going to put up with that. Good discipline will always move the child towards developing internal structure and more responsibility. Every child, as they're growing, we as parents need to be looking at the situation. And the way that it normally comes up that I can remember is usually the child becomes resistant. The child becomes resistant, and that's a cue to you as a parent to stop and look like, why are they resistant? What's going on here? It's kind of like we were talking about in relationships, compliant and compliant. One of the first things you're going to realize is, I'm frustrated because we're never on the same page, and yet we always agree. With the child, it's that they're at the next stage of development. Life is going to force them to take that next stage of development. Either you're going to help them see it and make the change, or you're going to allow them to go through an awful lot of negative consequences. So it's important that we realize that any time we're doing with any kind of discipline or structure, trying to structure their life, it's to help them to develop that own structure for themselves. Punishment, on the other hand, involves payment for wrongdoing and doesn't leave much room for practicing. You know... I don't like the fact that they use the term corporal punishment in schools. I think that was a mistake in the first place. Referring to any kind of discipline as corporal punishment, I think, was a bad move on somebody's part that started. And they're still talking about it. Something's going on in New York where they're not allowed to... They're talking about corporal punishment and using that word, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but the schools in New York are, are emphasizing some kind of change in policy, and I'm sitting there shaking my head going, well, it was never corporal punishment in the first place. So why are they using that term? Discipline is setting up standards, and then there's a consequence, whether that's a couple spankings. I don't think spankings are corporal punishment. I think beatings and losing control on them is punishment and corporal. It's wrong because it leaves an emotional damage that doesn't really necessarily correct anything or teach anything. 
It's just you got beat because you were in my way today. I can remember one guy telling me that eventually everything was a beating, so he just didn't try anymore. He didn't care. He knew he was going to get beat, so he just stopped caring. That's not discipline. That's abuse. Discipline is not a payment for wrong. It's the natural law of God. Our actions reap our consequences. Discipline should focus on helping them to understand if I don't apply myself, if I don't study, rather than dad having to spank me every time I don't study, I'm going to fail and then I'm going to have to repeat the grade. There's some point in there where there's got to be a fine balance in helping them to see there's a reason why you have to do this. Punishment looks back. Discipline looks forward with the goal of not making the mistake again. Punishment looks back and has a tendency after it's happened saying, you deserved it. You deserved it. Wait a minute, this is a child we're talking about. You deserved it. If we're, if we're getting very harsh with the way that we're correcting our child and then telling them they deserved it, what's the real message I'm telling them then underneath that? They're going to start believing I'm not worth it. The biggest mistake any parent can say is you deserved it. That is the worst thing you can say to a child when you're trying to discipline. The best thing you can tell them is, you know, we've tried to talk to you. We've tried to help you to understand the importance of these behaviors. You, know, you don't speed when you've got other teenagers in the car. Accidents happen. The highest rate of accidents are with teenagers. You're not going to have a carload of people. That's just the way it is. They can find their own right. You're setting a standard and enforcing it and teaching them that if you go outside of this and you have an accident, I've already told my kids, you, you do something stupid, you're going to jail. I'm not bailing you out. And they're looking at me like, what? <laughs> I said, well, if you're the ones breaking the law, it's not me. Why would I pay? And you'll pay the fine. Discipline focuses on keeping the relationship with the child intact and the focal point of attachment. That child needs to know that no matter what they do or how wrong they are, you love them with an undying love, just like the Heavenly Father does. All my discipline and everything that I do with them and teaching them needs to keep that in mind. My kids all laugh because I used to when I had to give them a spanking. And it was always structured. Go to your room. I'll be up in a couple of minutes. You're going to get two whacks. Then I'd go up and we'd go through all the things. Then they'd get their two whacks. And I'd say, when you're done crying, and I want you to come and talk to me. And then they'd come down and we'd talk. And I'd say, that hurts me more than it does you. Well, they've told me that for years now. Oh, yeah, it hurt you more. I was the one to get my rear end whacked. I said, you don't understand. The hurt I felt was, emotionally, I didn't want to ever have to do that. I never wanted to spank you. But I knew that if I didn't, I was going to lose you. They still joke. They still say, yeah. Dad always said it was going to hurt him worse than it was us. He wasn't the one getting his rear end whacked. <laughs> we kept the relationship intact, and that's the most important thing. God designed the newborn months as a means for the parent to form an enduring attachment in which the child feels safe and a sense of belonging. From the time they were born, they should always know, clear through even getting married. I'm mom and dad's little boy, little girl. There's never a question. 
there should never be a question as far as the love and the commitment that you have for them. All the discipline needs to focus around about pointing them back to that. I'm doing this because of the relationship and the love I have with you, not because I want to hurt you. Upon this foundation we just described, the enduring attachment, children need to learn boundaries and the safety of the family which will protect and safeguard their soul. Not just physical safety. You're also concerned and worried about their soul. When you see that little that young boy or that young girl walking around with the other kids, my thought is, and as any parent is, is he going to be able to stand his grounds? But every parent looks at their child when they're walking around when they're 10, 12, 14, 18, and you look at them and you're looking at them in the sense of, are they ready to deal with life? Are they ready to deal with the next level? In this setting, children learn the appropriate use of the word no in setting limits and also respecting others' no's. In what setting? In the setting of protection, safety, and love. That child has grown through the different stages and ages of development. They learn to understand what no means for them and what it means for others. When my friend says, no, you can't have my toy, that's what it means. And when you're saying no to somebody because they're asking you to do something that you know is not right, you need to stand on that no. So it needs to happen in that safe setting. It is vital for children to learn early in life to be, to be responsible and know what is healthy for them and what will lead to their demise. And what will lead to their demise. You know, it's hard to get a child to understand that when you're choosing friends and you're wanting to spend a lot more time with them, you need to understand their boundaries. What do they do in this setting? Where do they go? Who do they hang out with? Yeah, you may have a good relationship with this guy, but who does he hang out with? And are you going to be pulled into that group? And how is that going to, are you going to be able to take a stand? It's not necessarily wrong to develop that friendship, but you better be taking the leadership role so that you're not going places and doing things they're doing or talking the way they do. Set the example. That's a hard one, especially when they get to be about 16, 17, 18. It's really hard. Even Jesus demonstrated boundary settings when he withdrew from the crowd because so many people were pressing him for miracles and signs. When you think about all the, the healings and all the things he taught endlessly and all the people, they just kept coming. And that was right around the time when they had the feeding of the 5,000 and they wanted him to do more miracles and he'd been the whole day. Even he knew in the human body that he couldn't take it anymore. And what did he do? He went down, got on the boat, and went with his disciples and got alone. Another time he went away into the mountains and he prayed. He just got alone and meditated and talked to his father. If Jesus had to, had to have boundary setting, I think we need to realize from that example, we need to have boundary settings. When children can be taught to experience their own needs as opposed to those of others, they have been given a genuine advantage in life. What does this mean? As a parent, sometimes the hard things are you would like to give them some more stuff, but you can't because you know if you do, they're going to have so many things that that's going to become their focus. So you have that fine line to draw of how much do I give them. And then as they see Tommy 
and Annie, they all have the new iPod. They all have this. They want it. It's hard sometimes to help them to realize want is not always a need. You know, let's, let's pray about this. How is it going to be used? What are you going to do with it? So you have to teach them to experience what their needs are, not necessarily what their wants are. When they look at others, they'll see what they want. When they look at themselves, they need to understand these are my needs. It's okay to say someday I might have that. But your need is this. And that's hard. That's very hard in adolescent years. Anytime from 12, 13 on, it's very difficult to help them to distinguish between want and need. Children should be allowed to experience their feelings. Allow them to express anger, grief, and sadness without trying to cheer them up. Don't tell them what they are feeling isn't right or isn't real. What you're doing is you are establishing again some roles, some guidelines, some structure in their life, and you're helping them to think with one another here. Sometimes we need to be honest with one another to the point that you know, I just need to make sure that the honesty is based on the Bible and I need to let you know that I love you and that I think you're going to get hurt if you don't. You may be mad at me, but that's okay. My attachment with you is still there. I still care about you. But you need to realize that I'm seeing something different than you're seeing. And all I'm saying is you better look a little closer. And we need to say that with one another. You better look at this a little closer because I don't think you're seeing the whole picture in our relationships with one another, in our walks with the Lord. That's why he says provoke one another from this point forward. As you see the day coming, provoke one another. Make the other person think about what they're doing. Is this actually honoring the Lord? We need to do that with our children, even if they're not going to like us for a few days. Children need to feel they can question your word, but that does not mean they can disrespect your authority. They need to be able to say, I'm really angry at you. And I've heard that quite a few times. and say, that's okay. I still love you. You can be angry, and anger is not bad. You disrespect me, though, and we're going to have another conversation. We must allow our children to experience the painful consequences of their own irresponsibility and mistakes, as mentioned in Hebrews 5.14. And that was back earlier... Um, talking about discipline. Wise parents will allow their children to go through safe suffering, which is allowing the child to experience age-appropriate consequences. You know, and just going back to the other slide for a minute, the painful consequences of their irresponsibility would be those days when they refuse, or they act like they're studying, then they don't, and then they don't do good on a test. I think it's appropriate to say, you know, how well did you apply apply yourself? Don't demean them, but ask them, how well did you apply yourself when you were studying? If you did everything you can, then you got the best grade you could get. But it's, again, going back to the structure, talking to them about their boundaries. Were you actually doing what you said you were doing, or were you playing a game with me? Safe suffering has to do with the same thing. Say suffering is sometimes when people get to talking too much or I'm trying to think of an example where a, a, a teenager usually will go through a phase and maybe say something about a friend and you look at them and you say, that's not a very good way to be talking about your friend. And then the friend finds out and then they have a falling out and they go through some hurt. Sometimes they need to go through that to realize you did it to yourself. 
You know, did you say those hurtful things? Yes, I did. Then your friend has every right to be upset with you. You shouldn't have said those things. And you can learn from this or you can do it again and get hurt again. So which is it going to be? You're talking to a young adult at this point. This, these teenagers are starting to get to the point where they're thinking for themselves and sometimes thinking for you as, to, as well. But you need to help them to realize you need to think for yourself and listen to your parents, not try to tell me what I'm saying to you. Wise parents will allow them to go through that. It's important to tie consequences closely to the actions of the child as possible. That's something we were doing a little bit earlier when I was giving you the example of if they will not stay up and study when they don't get the good grade, you say, look, you're going to get out of this what you put into it, and you didn't study. I can't do anything for you. The consequences of your behavior are you didn't study, so you didn't get a good grade. I'm tired. I don't want to go today. You stayed up last night. That's the consequences of your baby behavior. You had a commitment today. You're going to go to that commitment. They need to understand and tie the consequences, both good and bad. The other one would be, they come on and go, I got an A. You say, excellent. Your studying paid off, didn't it? Positive. The more positive, the better. As children grow, rather than parents dictating the children's child's every decision, the child needs to have the sense of control and choice in their life. It's really important that children feel that they are making their decisions. I'm giving them guidance and I want them I want them to experience that positive sense of that was a good decision. It was really good to hear each one of our children as they started making good decisions to come back and say, I'm really glad I did that. Thanks for the advice. But I'm really glad I did that. As many of those positives as you can reinforce, you won't have to do as many negatives because what they find out is after a while is mom and dad are a good source of reference. They're a good source of, of uh, knowledge. The role of godly parents is to help their child learn to think, make decisions, and master their environment in all aspects of their life. Leaving that slide up for a little bit, there was a lot there. I want us to think about what we started at saying at the beginning of the class. What is our goal? God made it very clear his purpose for you and I was to recreate children in the image of him and draw glory to him. We need to help them learn to make decisions as young as possible that are healthy, but not let them get too caught up in the fact that they made the decision so they don't have to listen to you. There's a fine line. One of the most important boundaries one of the most difficult boundaries to teach children is the delay of gratification. The ability to say no to our impulses, wishes, and selfish desires. That's a very difficult one to help and it, children understand. And it starts pretty young. And you go to the Walmart and stand at the checkout line. But mom, 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 I want that. Everybody has that. And you're like, no. You know, my thought would be it needed to stop that back in the aisle before you ever get to the checkout counter. Because what happens is children learn through, it's just one of those things they learn. If there's an audience, mom will give in. It's true. They learn that very young. You, you don't have to teach that. But if mom takes a stand in front of those folks, when the audience is there, wherever it's at, and says, we'll talk about this later and stop it, you need to move forward. But you watch. You go to Walmart. Learning how to delay gratification helps a child 
develop goal orientation as well as self-protection. What do we mean by that? If I delay, help them to realize this is not something we need to have right now. And I can get them to realize that we need to put money aside, we need to plan for this. Sometimes down along the road, they may actually decide, I really don't need that. And that has happened. And other times, they've actually said, it was a good feeling to know that I raised the money for it myself and paid for it. It teaches them to be responsible for what they're actually getting in life. It teaches them also to realize, had I gotten that, and I was still paying on, you know, the debt on it right now, I couldn't have done any of these other things. Self-protection, goal orientation are really important for a child to learn. From an early age, children need to learn the world does not revolve around them and begin accepting and respecting the limits of parents, siblings, and friends, as well as others. From an early age, the ability to accept limits teaches us to take responsibility for ourselves. The ability to accept limits teaches us to accept responsibility for ourselves. Even more important with accepting limits of others is that heeding others' boundaries helps children learn to love. I think that's a very important thing to realize. How do you teach kids to love others, to give of themselves? I think the most important role is that you teach it by your own role in your own life that you look out not only for your own needs but also when you see somebody hurting, you do for them and show your child that that's, that's called loving. That's, that's called helping them. But as, in learning to heed other people's opi- opi- you know, boundaries, it helps us to realize and to learn how to love other people. Consequences are intended to increase a child's sense of responsibility and control over their life. Consequences are intended to increase the child's sense of responsibility and control over their life. Going back to all those examples we gave early on, by getting them to realize, if I do this, this is going to happen. If I do this, this is going to happen. They learn to have that internal structure where they make better choices. You guide them along the way. Eventually, they're doing that for themselves. That's what you want. I want my kids to be able to say, he's a good friend or he's not a good friend based on how he's acting. And maybe even tell the guy. Consequences must be age appropriate. While spanking may be appropriate for a four-year-old, it is not appropriate for a teenager. Make sure your consequences are age-appropriate. Consequences must be related to the seriousness of the infraction. Continuous severe penalties will destroy a child's hope. Consequences must be related to the seriousness of the infraction. If I'm always just punishing them really hard, eventually they just give up. The goal of boundaries is an internal sense of motivation with self-induced consequences. You know you're doing something right when it comes to like schoolwork and you've been trying to tell them that they need to study and then afterwards they didn't put as much into it and they didn't get the good grade. 
when a child comes back and says, you know, I, d I know I didn't really put the time into I should have. That's good because there's a realization there. I made a mistake. That's good. So don't ever, don't browbeat them. Just let them, let them take it on and let them bathe in their own, in their own acknowledgement. Yeah, I did do it wrong. Well, next time, let's set aside a time. Be positive in the way that you talk to them. Parents have a sober responsibility. Teaching their children to have an internal sense of boundaries and to respect the boundaries of others with the end goal of maturity as defined by scripture. If you want to look at a little more details, depending on how old your child is and what's age appropriate, read that last section of that book again. There's a lot of good details in there about infancy and 18 months to 2 years old. Read it, and, and really, especially those of you with young children, I encourage you, read that and kind of think about what it is I'm going to do. Because if you don't have a plan of action, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a reaction. You need to think it through. One thing that Joy and I did early on, and I, I'm so glad we did, and I'm glad she was kind of at the forefront of it saying we need to have a plan, is talk about how we were going to discipline. Because there's no way that I want my children hurt. We wanted to build love, strength, accountability, and sense of self-worth. And if that's something that you want to do with yours, then you need to take the time to pray about it and plan.